0: 50% of the waste stream is food, paper, green, biodegradable waste. So what do you do with this? Just simply saying recycling is not going to be an acceptable option.
1: Researching plastic packaging and possible alternatives is a tricky topic with lots of greenwashing and also well-intentioned misinformation, all of the good stuff. During this deep dive season, We were left wondering, is there a scalable alternative to plastic at all? Now, obviously a global problem requires a range of approaches, but this interview with Ramani Nairan was a refreshing breeze of hope. Ramani is distinguished professor of the Michigan State University. To hear the first part of this amazing interview, check out episode 2.10. Alternatively, you can listen to this as a standalone episode as well. Discover why industrial composting is absolutely crucial and somewhat inevitable and look further into the potential of compostable plastics. To get an introduction to the topic, check out our earlier episodes. Let's jump right in. You're listening to season two on Plastic Alternatives. Let's move the food industry from harmful to healthy, from polluting to sustainable, from red to green. For resources and to get involved, visit redtogreen.solutions. And I'm your host, Marina Schmidt. Let's look at the end of life. In previous episodes, we have had the discussion of industrial composting and how bioplastics behave as long as there isn't industrial composting. So one of the interview guests said uh, she finds it somewhat misleading of companies to use bioplastics and say they are compostable. If there aren't industrial composting sites, they actually mess up the recycling stream uh, or they end up not being composted. What do you think about that?
0: Yeah, one this assumes that recycling is perfect. As we discussed earlier, yes. if the product is in a stream like food and other things, the recovery and all is not that easy. So, uh, just simply saying recycling is not going to be an acceptable option. And the question of there are not enough industrial composting sites, therefore, we should not do it and all. It's like the chicken and egg story, right? This discussion is focusing on plastics. So, my question back would be what are you going to do with all the food and paper and waste which is going into a landfill? Is that a good option where you generate methane or is it good to just dump it or is it good to just dump it into the oceans which is going to perturb the ecosystem and you know when you put food waste then fishes will eat it and there's going to be all the toxins, everything you're going to pollute the oceans right. So And we talked that 50% of the waste stream is food, paper, green, biodegradable waste. So what do you do with this? And if you say, I don't have to do anything, then why worry about plastics? Don't do anything with plastics too, just that's business as usual. So uh, just simply saying recycling is not going to be an acceptable option. So my answer is, In order to manage this biodegradable organic waste, which represents 50% of our municipal solid waste and which contributes significantly to methane generation and global warming, that you need an end of life system to manage it. Either you do composting, which is well-established. People have been doing it for ages. Or you put it in a digester, collect the biogas, and use it for energy, you have to do one of the two. You have to manage it, right? Just like you're saying manage plastics, you have to manage that. And if that makes sense, then of course, plastics associated with that should be compostable. You can't recover it and recycle it. So this argument, the circular argument is false, is misleading, is itself misleading, rather than to say I should not claim it's industrial composting. But what I will agree with that statement is that companies, the big companies, should not simply label it as industrially compostable, but actively promote the composting infrastructures and systems and make it happen, Right, that they can close the loop, not for their product, but for Mm -hmm. the food and other things. That is not happening. Mm
1: So to summarize, maybe, if companies that are listening, if founders that are listening create products which tend to contaminate the plastic that they're using, it's especially important to not use uh, plastic because it's very hard to recycle something that has food waste on it, right? Yes. It's double as important. And apart from that, if the product that you do requires the properties that are similar to plastic, then going for a bio-based polymer is the better choice due to not supporting the petroleum industry, so not supporting fossil fuels, right? Yes, right.
0: Because when you do composting, you generate CO2, right? And so if you use bio-based, then that your carbon neutral. So bio-based and compostability actually, I would say is a perfect solution for mm-hmm. uh, what we are talking about. Nothing is fully perfect, but yes, it the least impact, impactful solution for circularity. The one point which you brought up, which is always going to come up is this problem of plastics in the ocean, right? You have heard of that yes. so many, you know, 8 million to 15 million tons of plastics every year leaking into the oceans. And then the question is, why is biodegradability a solution? Suppose we make it biodegradable, will that go away? And and I'm very careful with that kind of extrapolation, right? So number one, the Ellen MacArthur Foundation statement I like most, no leakage to the natural environments, whether it is land or ocean. That is still the number one priority. There will always be inadvertent leakage, right? This is the problem, right? No matter how well you manage it, somebody is just going to throw it out, some plastic is going to leak into the oceans, right? And we are about to publish a paper and we are still working on it to show that even these compostable plastics in the ocean environment, which temperatures are, as you know, four degrees, five degrees, 10 degrees, will biodegrade. But the rate at which it biodegrades will make it last maybe five years to 10 years in the ocean environment. Right. So the, the certified, fully verifiable, compostable products needs to be validated. But we know of polymers that will meet that requirement will be biodegraded, but will still last in the ocean environment for five years, 10 years, okay? If I take today's current plastics, that's where the fight, that's why you're seeing that. That will last hundreds of years, nothing happens to it. So in our test, we show that the compostable plastics, the carbon is slowly lost over a period of time. It's biodegradation rate. And as temperature drops, the rate becomes stopped. So even cellulose, the paper, if it is lost in the ocean, will last there for two to three years. So we have to do two things. One, clearly designing for biodegradability into a packaging product is valuable because in the inadvertent loss, it's not going to build up and be persistent in the ocean environment. That means not a solution, but it is a fail-safe mechanism. And if I were to relate it to our today's norm of uh, do you wear masks or don't wear masks kind of thing. The mask is certainly going to protect from as much as possible from getting the virus and others also wear it. But it's not a solution, it's not a cure. That's the vaccination and other thing. So the biodegradability compostability is not a cure for the ocean plastics. It shouldn't go there in the first place. But should it go there, it's not going to last that long. And if we slowly reduce the mismanaged waste, there would be a time when the amount of plastics in the ocean will become less and less and be almost non-existent.
1: There's also a difference in what we should do based on where the packaging is used, right? So whether we are in a Western country and we sell to Western countries or whether we are actually also selling to developing countries or or countries that cannot afford recycling. What is your view on that?
0: If you go to the developing world, and I don't even call it developing anymore, the emerging economies, because Mm -hmm. they are very strong and they are growing especially if you look at India and China, which is the billion, half of the world's population live there, right? The use of packaging, it is to give you shelf life and extend the longevity of the product. So I don't see packaging in that part of the world getting less. In fact, it'll get more. And that is a sort of a, for me, a scary thought, a red flag, that if they follow the same polyethylene, polypropylene type packaging and say, don't worry, we can recycle it because the word recycling is so very ingrained. They're going to lose even before they start. That in that places, food packaging and food-related packaging or products has to be compostable because they need to do that. And composting is not a expensive technology, right? China doesn't do it much, but India, composting is very well-known, well-established. Uh, schools, they, they teach it. I, as you know, ca- came from India. So when I was growing up, food used to be served in on banana plant and leaves. And then at the end of the day, my mother would take whatever is left in waste and take it and feed the cow and the rumen and stomach can't digest those things very well. So you get more milk, uh, perfect circular economy working there. Okay, in comes plastics and the whole thing is totally messed up. Now our banana leaves are coated with plastic because now it's more resistant to water and, and all. And people sometimes still dump it and the cows don't make any difference and they eat it. And there are a lot of stories of cows being operated to remove this plastic from the ruminant stomach because it's not going to be able to digest. Same reason why plastic pellets in the ocean are problem for birds and fishes, right? Mm -hmm. And more recently I read Thailand where there's a lot of elephants, same problem. Plastics in the environment were consumed and they had to dig plastics out. What I'm saying is as we emerge into these new economies of packaging and all, that's the problem with the plastics. But I would remind that when I use the word plastics, I mean the non biodegradable compostable plastics, that's the carbon carbon. That if this banana leaf was coated with PLA, for example, that PLA would be digested in that ruminant stomach. It wouldn't have been a problem. Oh, wow. Yes. Because, you know, our body produces lactic acid. You know, when you exercise our body. And so it is part of the metabolic pathway. I'm anecdotal. I've not done science and data to actually feed cows and look at. uh, And there is work which can be done. But I do know for a fact that it would make little or no difference. I'm talking about global compost because all the food and paper and all these things also has to be a part of it. Nobody is going to set up composting for compostable PLA. You're not going to pull this plastic compostable out of it and then compost it, because if you could do that, you might as well recycle it. Because you can't do that, therefore... And that's why I thought the food industry is the best group to, to build on. It. And it's certainly I would love for you to, to take that forward, along it, because... What happens to food is important, and therefore what happens to protect it must also meet that requirement and I don't think uh, we we look at it that way i I have not managed to convince the companies the food companies, the big ones, to say we will create a an alliance and build this composting infrastructure because we know it is valuable and important. That's not happened. Although there is more and more people willing to do it. So, and I'm saying, you know, I should not be the one to take the lead, which probably end up doing that, but it should be something like the Alliance or some group uh, of professionals and including people like yourself who can create enough uh, buzz and conversations. But uh, aside from this, the the whole area of composting itself is, is a separate subject, if you want. And it has caused all sorts of problems as well. Because Europe, for example, Germany, I, I I know for a fact that initially they would not accept any compostable plastics. They had great composting, but they won't accept it because for whatever reasons, like they gave hundreds of fees. Now I am told that they will accept film, you know, to carry bag or the the liners to, to for that, but they won't accept anything else. So you have these hodgepodge of concepts in the U.S. where California has got these perfect regulations and what is what is not. Composters are suddenly dictating what will be acceptable, not be acceptable, and. Composting is a process. You know, it's an industrial process. You got to do it the right way, the right temperatures, the right things. It's all economics, right? But if I can process waste, compostable waste faster, then I can make more money. So I tried to change the process. I increase temperature. I tried to literally do what an incinerator does, burn it and then say, look, I'm composting. Mm. So give me more. So there are no regulations on how and why and how you should do composting. They're not subject to any of that thing. That is worrisome because the composters are given uh, free pass.
1: Mm. Yeah, and one important point regarding compostability is that there's no residue of the actual polymer and that the microbes actually break down all the carbon, or most of the carbon, like 90% in a certain period of time.
0: Right, right. Now, that point which you bring out is very important. We're saying that the test methods, they're there. There is not. I'm not saying anything new, all the ASTM, ISO standards for compostability and all. They are asking the question that when we say 90% plus of that carbon should be utilized or mineralized by the microbes in that environment, as measured by the CO2, because that's the endpoint. This is the biological uh, endpoint. And uh, 90% plus, because I'm sure some of them would say, well, what about 10%? It Does not say that 10% can be non-biodegradable. That's not the intent. It has got to do more with statistics, with measurement. So 90% plus is the equivalent of complete biodegradability. And in fact, the word biodegradable is is what causes the problem, biodegradable. So it just degrades. We don't care what happens after that. But really, it should be uh, removed, right? Removal from the environment using microorganisms. And that doesn't sound nice like biodegradable. So nobody wants to use that. In effect, that's what we are asking, right? Remove it from the environment completely in a short and defined time frame as defined by the disposal environment. And so it's not persistent. So there should be no persistent or recalcitrant residue remaining. And all the standards associated with this reflect that viewpoint.
1: Can you describe to us how a food company, let's say a mid-sized producer of uh, plant-based yogurts, uh, would actually go about deciding how they package their food?
0: Most of the company, food manufacturers, do have technical people who are knowledgeable about packaging, the economics, the viability, how do you measure its strength, and they connect with the converters, and the suppliers to provide them the packaging. The part about end-of-life and recycling biodegradable compostable, which has been the subject of your podcast for this entire season, (laughs) is problematic for the packaging engineers in these companies, because this is new. There's still confusion. There's still, as your podcasts show, issues associated with it. And therefore. Uh, you have the right people in these companies to make the decisions, to make the call, but they need to have the right information. So so that's kind of a long-drawn answer to your question, but very important question.
1: Mm. And with startups that usually cannot afford a packaging engineer, do you know what is usually the best route to take? There is going to be more
0: and more of these entrepreneurs in the food industry, it would be a shame if they just use regular packaging without thinking of the impact on the environment. One, obviously they will have to contract this to a package converter who may or may not be knowledgeable in the new fields of circularity, sustainability, and end of life things, or who may be biased towards particular materials because they are more comfortable working with that materials. And because they don't face the consumer or the public directly, there is no major driver for them to change. This is my personal experience. I think they, they want to do the right things, but economics and competition with others forces them to use what they're most comfortable with. And that's what they will do. And that's what they will provide you. As an entrepreneur in a startup, you need to first learn and educate yourself on the space and then direct your converter to a uh, specific set of requirements which says, I need to have this, this, and this. And then it's their job to deliver for you. So it's not that it is not doable. This would be a value add for their product. That they are not just focused on giving the best possible food product or ingredient, but they are careful enough to research and package it the right way.
1: Yes, exactly, because the packaging is also a central part of the whole product. So,
0: Mariana, I, I should—it's not a plug-in for you—but I would suggest that they all go back and hear or, or review the podcasts of the entire season (laughs) so they are well educated to make the right decision
1: exactly that's what we are hoping to do with
0: this (laughs) very true very true you you have collected a ensemble of uh, thoughts and concepts and it's not just one or the other they they educated people and they know they can make their own decisions but they have all the facts in front of them so that's good
1: so i have some few ending questions for you sure sure if you would have 50 million and you can invest it in businesses or innovations and what would you invest in
0: i would be involved in the compostables for sure products right because of the food related connection to it people are always going to need food and with the population growing food is going to be premium how you manage it, how you grow it, how do you package it. But today, if you ask me, give me $50 million, what should you do with it? I would support Global Compost Alliance, <laughs> which will bring the food industry, the compost industry, that the standards and all are there together in a major effort to plan and source model programs in India, in China, Indonesia, in Sri Lanka, where the industry will provide those compostable products. It is collected, it is composted, and you can demonstrate closed loop. So so if I had the 50 million and had nothing to worry about, then that's what I would put together, a alliance with beds of such, facilities all over, which will not start unless I have a major food supplier with the right packaging in it to show how this loop works. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: That would be what I would do.
1: Nice. Good. Now we just need to get the money. (laughs) What upcoming packaging innovations or trends will be especially interesting for the food industry?
0: Today, we talk about industrial composting right? And that it should meet that and all that. But there's this talk about home composting, which is another area on itself. But essentially saying, can we design for biodegradability in a much broader sense? Like in a, if you do composting at home, what should be the process and will this work? And what are the products which will, if Lost in the environment, how long it will be there. So designing current plastics, polyethylene, polypropylene types, the carbon-carbon backbone polymers with newer polymer molecules that lends itself to be completely utilized by microorganisms at a sufficiently fast rate would be the target. And Parallel to that will be to design polymer molecules that would be easy to dismantle to its original constituents and then polymerize back. PET is a good example and that is, and modifications to that would be where I think the future of polymer science is growing in the packaging world.
1: What are magazines, books, or other resources that you would recommend for listeners? Read all my presentations? No. (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
0: Or all the sermons I have given? No. I think the packaging industry, the Packaging Digest, there's a lot of very good packaging journals which do a good job of covering these aspects. So be informed with that, right? The Sustainable Packaging Coalition, they have very big names, but I find them to be very educational and a networking opportunity to influence direction, right? So SPC. And in Europe, there are similar, I think, uh, packaging conferences, European packaging. So they all are covering the aspects of this. I think there are things I would... uh, certainly encourage
1: how can listeners support you or what you do i would love for your listeners to
0: a feel free to reach out through you or you can provide an email if you have questions then certainly or challenge this in sense that well i don't accept this here's why then we could have a discussion around it it is composted and you can demonstrate closed loop right so if you could do say, so if I had the 50 million and I had nothing to worry about, then that's what I would put together, a alliance with beds of such facilities all over, where the, which will not start unless I have a major food supplier with the right packaging in it to show how this loop works.
1: Nice. <laughs> <laughs> Good, now we just need to get the money. (laughs) What upcoming packaging innovations or trends will be especially interesting for the food industry?
0: I think the, in a very purely technical sense, today uh, we talk about industrial composting, right? And that it should meet that and all that, but There's this talk about home composting, which which is another area on itself, but essentially saying, can we design for biodegradability in a much more broader sense, like in a, if you do composting at home, what should be the process and will this work? And what are the products which will, if lost in the environment, how long it will be there? So designing, Current plastics, polyethylenes, polypropylene types, the carbon-carbon backbone polymers with newer polymer molecules that lends itself to be completely utilized by microorganisms at a sufficiently fast rate would be the target. And parallel to that will be to design polymer molecules that would be easy to dismantle to its original constituents and then polymerized back. PET is a good example. And that is, and modifications to that would be where I think the future of polymer science is growing in the packaging world.
1: Mm -hmm. What are magazines, books, or other resources that you would recommend for listeners?
0: read all my presentations? No. (laughs) Uh, Or all the sermons I have given? No. I think the packaging industry, the Packaging Digest, there's a lot of very good packaging journals which do a good job of covering these aspects. So be informed with that, right? The Sustainable Packaging Coalition, they are... They have very big names, but uh, I find them to be very educational and a networking opportunity to influence direction, right? So SPC, And in Europe, there are similar, I think, uh, packaging conferences, European packaging. You know. So they all are covering the aspects of this. So I, I think there are things I would... Uh, uh, certainly encourage. Personally, I, I, I read all that's on the internet uh, and half the time I'm critical because they make half statements or totally erroneous statements. And it's always bias. So if I'm a, one of the biases is that if I'm producing poly, if I'm a polyethylene film manufacturer, I want to find ways in which I can justify why I can collect it and recover it and recycle it, which may be possible, but the probabilities are low. Why don't I simply change the molecule? That kind of thought process doesn't, and it may be because of economics, availability, and all that. So, yeah, I think the only thing I can, they they, they say, the only thing permanent is change and so change is happening in this space across the world. So so we are sitting at a point in time where change is happening rapidly and and companies big and small have to adapt to it or be or will well lose its significance and you know will have to shut down. Mm.
1: How can listeners support you
0: or what you do? I would love for your listeners to a feel free to reach out through you, or you can provide an email. I I am not worried. I am not that famous that I will get ten thousand emails. So so if you if you have questions, then certainly or challenge this in sense that, well, I don't accept this, here's why, then we could have a discussion around it. I'd love love for somebody to tell me, here's where you're wrong, here's what you can do. I'm happy to modify it. And I have modified my thought processes. For example, earlier on, I did say, you know, biodegradability in the ocean environment is crazy, you know you guys are going all the wrong path. I would not even claim it. When you put the word marine biodegradable, there are certifications, you're totally misleading. I mean, and that's what some of your earlier listeners say too. But I have now, because of things that has been said to me and said is, no, that's not the total correct answer. The answer is that how does this compare with the current plastics and is there a value to it? And the answer is yes, if composting or closed loop infrastructure is right, but if it is lost in the environment, these will not persist as long. And as long as you're transparent and you clearly state how long and what the impacts. So love to hear from your listeners on this. I love for them to get educated on this, on this concepts of biodegradability, why, how. And I would love to have them all be a part of some of this global alliance, either through themselves or through the company. I think you have made this statement, which is stuck in my head when we talked last time was a grassroots type evolution for this. And maybe it does need a grassroots type evolution. uh, But... It will not succeed unless you bring the bigger players into the picture.
1: Yes. We all need to do our part to individually and collectively get our shit together.
0: (laughs) right.
1: Well, Ramani, it has been a pleasure to have you on. Thank you so much for this inspiring talk. It was also very nice to see a lot of the thoughts that I've been chewing on confirmed by you. So it's like a, I got I got a Romani stamp.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, that, I'm glad that you were thinking. Of your thought processes were, you know, coinciding with what I'm saying because you have been exposed to a lot of this, and and it certainly makes sense. And for me, it's equally validating that uh, when you're looking at it from your perspective, objectively, because you are exposed to all these different things that, yes, this that this makes sense and this can move forward. So that's really good from my perspective. So, so thank <laughs> you for having me.
1: If you like Red to Green, remember to subscribe and share it with your colleagues or friends who could be interested. To volunteer in industry research, marketing, or writing articles, check out redtogreen.solutions. There you will also find resources mentioned in the episodes. Let's move the food industry from harmful to healthy, from polluting to sustainable, from red to green.